bow with me and can we ask God to be a part of these uh, proceedings as we move forward. God, we just want to uh, open our hearts to you. We thank you for the words of this last song uh, that because of your son Jesus, we can find a love, we can find a hope, uh, uh, we can find grace uh, to overcome our darkness and, and to give us life. And, and for so many of us in here, that's already happened. And for so many more uh, who have uh, yet to meet you, we trust that that is uh, a part of uh, their, their future, that, that you've brought them here uh, so that they can find that, that love and that hope too. And Lord, we just are so grateful that we get to uh, be in this place and uh, worship you together. Uh, Lord, help us in that. Lead us in these next moments as I open your word uh, to just uh, hearing from you. Um, if we came in here, God, with anything that would distract us uh, from receiving from you and, and from giving to you what you so rightly deserve, uh, our worship, uh, would you erase those thoughts from our minds? Would you give us uh, a focus in these moments so that we can truly commune with you uh, as your body uh, here at Bay Life Church. Uh, as always, get me out of the way, Lord. Speak in my place. Prepare us for what you have. And in your son's name, I pray these things. Amen. Have a seat, everyone. I really am going to start preaching right now. We've been in this series uh, where we're trying to understand why we do the things that we do as a church. It's so uh, easy to just kind of uh, come in and, and as a matter of habit or a matter of practice, uh, do the things that we do. Uh, we here at Bay Life Church, uh, the pastors, the elders, uh, the leadership that uh, God has put over this place, we don't want this just to be another church, another depot uh, for the Christian community. We want this to be a place where we engage with God, where we allow the Holy Spirit to change how we think and to shape how we live. And uh, so uh, we're talking about those things that we can kind of just numbly do. And one of those things today we're going to find out can be worship. Uh, worship is uh, probably another way for us to, um, uh, you know, describe surrender. We, we talk about it all the time around here, that we exist to surrender to God. Uh, we could actually say we exist to worship God. We, that, that's what surrender is. It's worshiping God. It's putting him first. And uh, I was taught early on in my, my Bible school career, uh, my Bible schooling, uh, that worship as a word is actually uh, best defined as worthship. Talking about why we worship today. Worship equals worthship. It's, it's, it's the same root word for worth, and it's, and it's basically us saying, here's what we just, you know, uh, see as worthy. Uh, if discipleship and leadership are all the practices of leader, leading or discipling, um, worship is the practice of, of saying this is worthy. And, and this is how God made all of humanity, just so we're clear, regardless of your, your faith or your creed or your, your, your uh, uh, country or wherever you're from, people everywhere are worshipers. Uh, people naturally ascribe worth uh, to the things that matter to them in life. Uh, anywhere on the planet, you're going to find people who love something or someone uh, who celebrate that thing or that person and who want you to do the same. I, uh, <clears throat> I remember when Portillo's opened up here on 60, right? Uh, every Chicagoan I know just went completely out of their mind and told me that I have to go to this restaurant. Now, it's, it's coming back into my, you know, my, my screen of food options. The first couple of experiences were not good. I'm just going to be honest with you. Sorry, Ken. Where are you, sir? But uh, 
But now, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, maybe understand. But I'm still not to the fevered pitch of some of my friends who grew up in the Chicagoland area and say, you have to eat this Italian sausage. Uh, but that's what we do. My, my thing's a slim clip. I didn't bring mine out today, but you've heard me talk about it before. It's the greatest invention ever. And why do I make such a fuss about the slim clip? Because I find worth in the engineering of this little piece of metal that holds my credit cards. And I want to celebrate it, and I want you to celebrate it, and I think you're crazy if you don't. I'm just functioning according to my design. God made me to be a celebrator and a scriber of worth to things, and I do it with all kinds of stuff that he does. I had a, a wedding recently where um, a, a Puerto Rican young lady married an Indian gentleman. And uh, at this Indian wedding, the, the mother of the groom insisted that I try every dish that they had prepared for this Indian wedding. You know what I'm talking about? And this, this I mean, Eleanor, am I right? This mom was like on me. She, she was not, I was not leaving until I ate everything. And the last thing they brought to me, uh, and if you're from the Indian culture, I, I'd need more time to get used to this, but it's called the sweets. It's called sweets. That's what she called it anyway. And it's basically like a cakey thing just dipped in milk. It's like this soggy, I don't know. It was, and it was very sweet, overpowering in its sweetness. And I, and I took a bite of it, you know, and, and uh, I don't think she was in front of me when I took a bite, but she came back and asked me how it was, and I was like, good, right? <laughs> right? But she's sitting there, and she's like, oh, it's the best thing that's ever happened to the earth. You Americans, you, you know, she didn't say this, but I, I, had, I had the idea. It's like, you guys, you mess up cake. This is cake. People naturally ascribe worth to things. So you don't have to be a, 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 a deist, a theist, a a believer in any God. You're just, you're acting according to God's uh, creation, according to his design for you. When you get excited about stuff, and want other people to get excited about it too. Now, we here in this room have gathered many times before, many of us. If you haven't, hi, welcome, good to have you. But many of us have gathered in this room before, and we know that God's expressed purpose in making us worshipers or ascribers of worth to things is so that we might find him to be the most worthy of all. Uh, in other words, God made us to worship him. Tons of scriptures that I could quote here, uh, but I'll, I'll just give you this one in Psalm 95, a, a worship book, a, a psalm or a hymn book, uh, as it were. Uh, it says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down, says the song leader. He says, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, and it goes on to say, worship him. Yeah. I mean, we, on every page of the Bible, there's, you know, maybe not every page, but almost every page, there is some in, in, insinuation or some direct command to give God the glory that he is due. The Presbyterian Catechism. Anybody grew up Presbyterian? What's up, Presbys? How's it going? You remember your catechism? Not a word. There it is. God bless you. I'll remind you, Bob. Here it is. The first question in the Presbyterian catechism is this. What's the chief end of man? It's a great question. What are we doing here? What, what's this all about? And the Presbyterian catechism answers that question by saying the chief end of man is to glorify God. It's to worship God. You want to know your... Uh, uh, the reason behind your existence, why you're here, God put you here to worship him. 
It goes on to say, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so there you have the the two legs of the Christian existence, the two pillars of our faith. It's the worship of God and the relationship that we can have with God through faith in Jesus Christ. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Worship, relationship. That's why we're here, people. At least why we're supposed to be here. Maybe you're here under duress. Maybe your heat wasn't working. You thought maybe it'd be warmer here. (laughs) I don't know why you're here, but that's why you're supposed to be here. Because we were created to give God the glories he's due. And we're created to know him and be known by him. Now, to be fair, worshiping is all-encompassing. Worshiping, is, is a, it, worshiping God is an all-encompassing thing. Uh, in, in fact, uh, every time I, I get up here to preach, I'm teaching you, hopefully, to go worship God in some other way, whether it's in your marriages or in your parenting or at work, whether it's in how you think or how you speak or how you act. I'm teaching you, hopefully, every week to worship God in some way because worship is meant to permeate our entire lives. It's 24-7 uh, all the time, all encompassing. We, we know this from verses like 1 Corinthians 10, where it tells us in verse 31, so whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, I, I got that backwards, do all, how much? Everything to the glory of God. Who's heard that verse before? Now, what, what that means is, is that when you leave here, uh, you're worshiping God, or supposed to be worshiping God. So when you drive, you're supposed to be worshiping God. <laughs> Who's, who's had a hard time with that one? Uh, when, when you go to work, you're supposed to be worshiping God. Like you do your jobs first as an act of worship to God, as an act of allegiance and as an act of service to him, and then as an act of service to your boss so you can get your check so you can live. When you go to your marriages, we talk about this all the time in here when we talk about marriage. The most successful Christian marriages are the marriages where people in them understand that my first stop off, my first aim in loving my spouse is to honor God in how I treat them. Because if I can get that right, then this will take care of itself. I will love God and honor him, and when I bring that righteousness and that, that humility and that, that grace and gratitude into my marriage, then hey, off we go. But when when marriages get set on serving self and honoring self, well, we've all been there if we've been married because even the best ones struggle with that sometimes, right? Yeah, worship is this all-encompassing, everywhere you go, uh, existence in life. In fact, if you want to kind of have like a, a, a a, a, a backwards uh, definition of sin, maybe not backwards like in stupid, but like just a, a different way of thinking about sin. Sin is anything that you do that does not glorify God. Sin is the absence of worship. It's anything you do that glorifies you, that honors you ahead of God. It's denying his, his rightful place as first in your life and, and choosing something else instead. So that covers sins of commission, things that we actively do where we defiantly go against God. But it also covers sins of omission, when we forget to give God his glory, give God his worship, right? That's what sin is. It's the absence of our design, the negligence of giving God the worship that he's due. Now, here's, here's what I want to do. Since I know worship's supposed to be everywhere, and hopefully I preach enough on that. Every week, you're going to hear me talk to you about Uh, inadvertently, the things that you can do to worship God wherever you go. But here's where I want to center today. 
I want to talk to us about what happens in this room, especially what happens in this room uh, in terms of our singing. I don't know if I've ever preached this to you in my 12 and a half years with you. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about singing. I do it. I rock. I'll just be honest with you. I, uh, I'm, I'm certain probably most of us, if we put the right song on the, on the radio in your truck, you'll sing. You know, if it's your jam, you're going. Doesn't matter if it sounds like a frog, right? But I don't know if I've ever talked to you about singing. You know, the Bible spends a lot of time telling the people of God from all eras to sing as an act of worship. Like, like this music thing that God made up. Has anybody ever wondered about music? Music's such a funny thing. Like if I just talk to you like this, I'm just talking. But if I talk like this, now I'm singing and it's different. He gave us music. And the music that God created was, was meant to, to first and foremost usher in and bring in the worship that he is due. It tells us in the Psalms over and over again, but here's a few places. In Psalm 33, it says this, Shout for joy in the Lord, all you righteous. I think this is the first command for hip-hop, for raps. This is, how, you, know, you know, anyway. It says, Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Not like you and I are like liars, but like the lyre, the instrument, right? Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. And then sing to him. A new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. In, in uh, Psalm 98, it says this, or 96, excuse me. Oh, sing to the Lord a, a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. That's three times he said for us to sing to the Lord in like two sentences. Is everybody picking up what the psalmist is putting down? Open your mouths and sing. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation. From day to day. So many of you, you get this. Or at least you're doing it out of courtesy or tradition, or I don't know why you're singing, but I, I stand up here or stand in the front where I you know, usually stand when I'm singing, and I look out, and, and you're, you're there. A lot of you are there. Uh, a lot of you aren't. And there might be all kinds of reasons for that. Laryngitis, you sprained a vocal, I don't know, whatever. Um, uh, but, but, but here, here's, here's some of the things that I've, uh, in my 20-something years of being a pastor that I've heard, um, uh, don't like the songs. Too loud. Uh, uh, can't get here on time. That's my favorite. Oh, pastor, I'd love to come and sing, but man, I got these kids and blah, blah, blah. Like you don't own an alarm clock. Because if you've got to get to work on time, amazing how you can do that. But, you know, we're Bay Life. We sign up the last day. We make it to church 15 minutes late. And everybody's like, oh, that's cool. It's just us. It's really laid back there. No one cares. Look at me. I think God cares. I think God cares. And I'm not a guilt guy. Has everybody picked that up about me? I'm a grace guy. But when God says in his word over and over again that, that we're to worship him, and when he says in his word over and over again that one of the Chief ways that we as, as individuals and as the body of Christ are meant to worship God is through singing. And we give all these excuses as to why we're not, why we're going to sit out and drink our coffee, because we've got this wonderful cafe that gives us donuts at church, because that's what church is all about, donuts, right? 
We're going to finish those before we come in and sing. Or we're going to sit, you know, here's where, here's where it comes down to. In churches, even ours, which I love our church, just, and I felt like God was impressing that upon me to tell you this week, I love this church. I love you guys. And we're not perfect. I can point to everybody who isn't. <laughs> right? Okay? We're not perfect. But we're, we're a great church. By God's grace, this is a great church. And, and, and we are blessed to have each other and blessed to have this place and blessed to be able to gather and, and do the things that God calls us to do. So let that be something that you leave with today. But, but here's what happens a lot of times. I, I'll just say it. I don't think I've led you in this uh, area of, of ministry very well, of this area of worship very well. Because here's the deal. I'm your pastor. I'm getting ready to speak, right? So here comes the singers. And where's Mark? Well, I'm, I'm backstage trying to figure out what I'm going to say. And in the same way that I just chastise you for not having an, an alarm clock, I could have worked a little bit more on my sermon before backstage time came. Are you with me? And so... Uh, especially to the men, because here's who I think the chief offenders are if, if people aren't worshiping God. It's usually the dudes, because, you know, we're Spartans, you know. We're, you know, we're, we're just not emotional. We're not going to sing that stuff. All of her saying, you know, she's getting all in. Oh, don't hit me with that hand. Come on, settle down. <clears throat> but me, I'm just going to stand here and wait for it to be over. And unwittingly, I think by me not being up here, and by the way, man's man right here, okay? But my, by me not being out here and singing in front of you guys, I, I maybe have devalued the experience. You're going to see me up in the front row singing from now on. Uh, and if, if you're a man out here and you've got whatever your reasons are for not singing, I want to tell you, it's, it's, it is man's man DNA to love God to emote over your God, to make a fuss about your God. And don't give me the whole thing, well, it's just not who I am. Let me take you to a football game. <laughs> don't tell me that you don't get riled up. I've sat in a Buck Stadium and watched, you know, uh, seasoned uh, businessmen and, you know, just paint their faces and lose their ever-loving minds because they ascribe worth to what's ever happening with the fat guys on the field, Right? So don't tell me it's not in there. It's just I haven't tapped it yet. And I apologize if I've uh, led you to believe it's something that can be skipped. What do I want to do with my time with you this morning is, is worship with you. I'm going to lead us in worship, at least one song. Uh, and what I want to do is it help us understand, especially, listen, even if you're singing, I want you to know why you sing. Here's what I'm going to tell you today, in just a second, why you sing. If you're not singing, I want to, I want to encourage you to start and, and to understand that when you sing these songs, it, it's not about you. Um, that's what I was going to say. Uh, in, the, in the church today, our church being a great church, we, even us, we, we are susceptible to this. Christian consumerism. It, 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 we, we come into the doors, and, and even though it may not be the first things in our minds, it's in the back of our minds, and it affects how we uh, you know, run through life here together as a church, because we think that church is about me. It's about my comfort level. 
It's about me having what I desire. And, and, and we've made it really easy as a church culture because there's a church on every corner in Brandon. If you don't find it here, go find it somewhere else. You'll find whatever fits you. And, and Okay, I gotta be careful. <laughs> I'm not saying that you, uh, you know, shouldn't be in a place where you are known and uh, know people and are loved and love people. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be in a place that, that fits you. All right, I'm, Most of us are here this morning because that has happened on some level, or at least you're trying it out and seeing if that's the case, if you're new, right? not saying that you shouldn't be in a place where God wants you to plug in, all right? But I'm saying that once you've determined that, quickly your mindset has to change from it's all about me to it's all about him. And you need to hit this room with that attitude that I am not here solely for what I can receive. I am here as an act of obedience and as an act of worship to the one true God who is worthy of my entire life. And I will give him my songs. I will give him my ears. I will give him my all. Because that's what the Christ life is. Matt Chandler, uh, who I ripped off for a lot of this sermon, uh, he he says that most of the problems in a Christian's life can be drawn back to, traced back to their decisions about what they're gonna worship. When he said that, it was like a sledge, bam. Because think about it. If God's the focus of your life, um, problems don't leave, but the efficacy of them in your lives decreases because you're like, yeah, God's got this. I can worship him in the midst of my storm. But when, when life and its issues and, and, and the man in the mirror become the focus of my life, then he's gone and, and the troubles are greater because my my eyes are not fixed on the author and the perfecter of my faith. Most of life's problems for the Christian are are related to worship and whether or not we put God first. So let's talk about why we sing. I'm sorry if I'm scattered. I'm excited. Why do we sing? Why do we sing the songs? Why is it good if you don't sing to start? Why is it important if you do sing to know why you sing? A couple reasons. I'll just share with them. First of all, singing engages every part of us in worship. Remember what Jesus uh, told uh, someone who was asking him about the greatest commandment? This is the greatest commandment. This is number one on our lists of things to accomplish in this life uh, for God. It's this. He says in Mark 12, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God. Uh, replace love with things like worship or, or surrender to the Lord our God. They're, they're all semi-synonymous. Are you with me? They all kind of incorporate the same ideas. He says, you shall love the Lord your God or worship the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart. And all of your what? And all of your what? And all of your what? Four areas of your life. The four parts of you that are meant to be engaged in the love and the worship of God. Singing allows you to do all four. When you sing and do it right, okay, certainly possible for us to sing and do it wrong. Anybody ever sang happy birthday to someone you don't like? <laughs> happy birthday to, you're just, you're just waiting for the cake. You know, hurry up, come on, let's get to the cake. You're not really saying happy birthday to that person. You're just doing what's required. 
If you come in here and you sing just because it's what has to happen before the guy preaches, then you're missing out on this first part of this whole loving God thing because you're not engaged in your heart. True worship, the kind of worship that God desires is an emotional worship. Now, I'm not saying, listen, let me, let me say this right off the bat. Before anybody gets into like thinking that I'm requiring a certain amount of gymnastics or gyrations or something like that in worship, okay, that, you know, unless your hand goes above your shoulder, it doesn't really count as praise, you know. You got you to gotta get it a really up there. And just one hand is only half worship. You got to go double armpits, you know. Okay? I am, I am not prescribing any particular form or volume or, in, in fact, listen, can we all agree that some people came in here this morning, life is good, or at least better, or at least not bothering you as much as it can at times. And so for you to worship, you're unbridled, you're just like, yeah, let's sing it. Glory be to God. Here it is. Wabam! Right? That's you. But then others of you came in here this morning, and you barely made it through the door. Because life is a mess. And, and your teenager didn't come home last night. Or whatever. But if you think that there's some blueprint for worship... And you, as you sit there in, in, in the hurt and the dismay, have to get up and fake a hand wave. Or, you know, or, or even our, you know, our worship leaders. I, I trust this is happening. Everybody's like, oh, no, he's going to take them to task. But I trust that every time someone's up here singing in front of you, that they're not you know, doing whatever they're doing because it's the prescribed routine. I trust that anything that we do as we sing, as we worship, flows from a genuine emotional experience of putting God first in our heart as we sing. That's what I pray happens. So listen, here's what I mean. If you come in here and you don't, uh, the, the command is sing. Sing. Sing, people. Men, sing. <laughs> but but if, if the emotion of your heart is, 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 a, is a brokenness and a, and a contriteness, uh, Sing with that. Don't feel like you've got to be ha, la, 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 if you're not. But if you are, ha, la, 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 let her rip. <laughs> Just don't distract the people around you. Don't put your hand in the other person's face. But listen, my point is this. Worship is an emotional, or it's meant to be an emotional thing. It should touch our hearts. It should engage that side of us. Listen, I don't know what you get excited about, but if you can't get excited about grace, about the atonement that came at the cross, about the fact that you were lost, that you were dead in your sins, and that God, through his son and through his love, made you alive through your faith, I don't know what you get excited about. If that doesn't fire you up, I don't know what will. So when you worship, Done right, the worship uh, uh, of God connects your heart, your emotions with what's going on. It also uh, connects your soul. The soul is the seed of the spirit. So when we talk about our spiritual selves, uh, we're kind of talking about our souls, where, where the spiritual stuff of us happens. And you have a spirit. You are a spiritual being. Does everybody understand that? You're a spiritual being. And, and God is, a, is spirit as well. And so when, when we have this Christian experience, uh, we surrender our spirits, mingle our spirits with God and his spirit, and then they become one. And when worship is done right, spiritual stuff happens. 
We connect with him in our spirits. There's been so many times where as I'm singing a worship song, all of a sudden, uh, on the screen of my mind or in the, the earbuds of my, my life, the voice of God comes, even as I'm singing the songs. And in my spirit, he affirms to me that I'm his child. He affirms to me that even though I am the screw-up that I am, he still loves me. And this spiritual exchange takes place even as I'm singing a song. Singing allows us to engage our hearts and enact our souls and our spirits. It, 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 uh, it, uh, it, it, it sparks our thinking. It brings our mind into the fold. You know, the old hymns, some people, you like them or you don't, uh, but you can't argue with the fact that they are our theology. Like the old hymns, like when you sing that stuff, you know, you sing about the Ebenezer. Anybody ever sing that hymn that had the Ebenezer? What's an Ebenezer? Like Scrooge? Like the... But it, 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 the, the, the text of the hymns, if you just read it, it's everything that we need to understand, or not everything, but a lot of the things that we need to understand about God and our theology. When, when, you, when you say words like, I found a hope, I found a love, and, and these things mentally register with you, it, it changes your approach to the other stuff of your life. It teaches you the scripture. When I, when I grew up, um, <laughs> I learned the books of the Bible with a song. Anybody learn the books of the Bible with a song? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Acts, the epistle to the Romans. Right? Singing has this power. You can't remember verses, can you? But you can sing every song from 1986 if you grew up in that era, right? And singing, if we allow it to, becomes this, this mnemonic, not demonic, mnemonic, memory device of us understanding God and his scripture. And, and here, here's the amazing thing. If you sing enough, all of a sudden that stuff shows up in real life. Here, here's what happens sometimes with Eleanor and I. We'll be talking about something. This happened yesterday. I didn't even tell you about this, babe. Uh, but uh, uh, we, were, we were just talking about life and, and things you know, in general. And, and this happens so often now. I'll be thinking of a worship song that applies to whatever we just talked about, an affirmation of a, of a, of a text in a song that basically applies to what we're... So if I'm you know, wrestling with something or, uh, or stressed about something, I'll, I'll, I'll remember songs that remind me of God's strength and remind me of God's uh, presence in our storms or whatever, right? Anybody ever done that? Here's what's happening in our marriage. Eleanor, as I'm thinking about these things, at times will start singing that song. Anybody been there? It's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and I'll be like, no way. I was just thinking of that song. Happened yesterday, babe. And this is the power of worship. It's not just for in here. It's for when we're out there so that we can remember, our minds can, can uh, uh, you know, capture the truth that we need for life. And then finally, uh, when we sing it, it engages our, our strength, our bodies. That's what strength is there, our physical selves, right? Uh, uh, it may not sound good, but everybody, let's sing this note. Ready? Everybody sing with me. Ah, not bad. Somebody, that was the first time you sang in church. Thanks for playing. But singing is this physical act. You blow wind over your vocal cords. And it makes that sound. And what God wants and hopes for us is that we would be active in our worship. 
So when you come here and you serve at our church, that's active. It's, it's an active form of worship. When you uh, open your Bibles and you read it, it's an active form of worship. You're doing something with your body, eyes, reading, thinking. That's what God wants. And, and when you come here and sing, it's an active form of worship. And listen, can we all agree that if, if we say we love someone but we don't act on their behalf or act like we love, like we love them, it, it's just empty words? Like if you're married right now and you constantly text to your wife, or husband that you love them, but then when they ask you to help them or to do something for them, you refuse every time? Is that sending a mixed message? I mean, I know you say you love me, but you never do anything to prove it. And once a week, you get to come in this room, and even if you blew every other day, all the other six days, and you never took any time to worship God in your hearts, or in your souls, or with your minds, and with your bodies. You get to come in here, and you get to sing. Wipe the slate clean. And do what the greatest commandment was given to anybody was, to love God with all of yourselves. The second reason that worship uh, through song is so important is because <clears throat> worshiping through throng, song is a, is a blessed give and take, right? It's a give and take. Here's my point. Here's, here's what my hope is for Bay Life Church. That we'll set our alarms earlier. <laughs> that we'll get here on time. That we'll come into this room. And our first uh, attitude or our first aim will be to give God the glory that he deserves. I'm going to spend this hour and 10 minutes or sometimes 15 because he goes long. But I'm going to spend this time dedicating myself, heart, soul, mind, and strength to the glory of my God. I'm going to even sing. Even though that's not what I do, I'm going to do it because God is worth that much to me. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, <laughs> teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So, so that's what I'm hopefully doing right now. Okay, I'm trying to teach you God's word and admonish you and, and lead us to wisdom. But then it says, as Col uh, Paul talks to the Colossage, 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 that's that Portillo's thing, I'm thinking sausage. Anyway, um, <laughs> as he's talking to this church, he's saying, hey, sing. Sing the songs. Sing some hymns. Learn your theology. Connect in spiritual songs. Sing songs that minister to your souls and your emotions. Sing with the aim that there'll be thankfulness in your hearts to God. Certainly we should come in here and look to, to give God what he deserves. That is why we were created, to glorify him, okay? But here's the great, that's the give. Here's the great take. When you come in here, all right, and you actually surrender yourself to the worship of God, and you start doing that, dimes to donuts, that's not the name, dollars to donuts, it's too cheap, dimes to too, I bet, Thank you for watching that. My experience, I'll put it that way. Let's not bet in church. My experience has been that when I give to God, I receive far more. Whether it's through material giving or through serving, through preaching. Just so you know, I'm getting worn out on this message. Like in a good way. Like God is convicting me as I prepare to speak to you, and as I deliver this, he is hammering me 
and my attitudes. Uh, and I'm up here trying to serve him. But he's given back constantly as we give to him. He's got a bigger shovel. We're trying to, here's your worship, here's your praise, here you go. And he's like, here you go. Can't outgive God. Let me give back to you. Can't tell you how many times I've stood in that corner and people come up on a Sunday morning at, at 1030. Uh, they haven't watched E.T. or any sad movies, but they're just weeping, right? They're just crying. Uh, and they come up to me and, I, and, that's, and they'll say sometimes, I don't know why I'm crying, but I came in here this morning and we sang this song or you talked about this subject or you, whatever, and I don't get it, but something is happening in me. And something is changing in me. And listen, I'm, again, I don't want to come. You know, I don't want to create expectations that every time you come in here, you got to like cry, or every time you come in here, you got to float to your car, or. But but here's what here's what we trust. Here's what we trust: that as we give to God, He will give back to us. Now, even when we don't give to God, uh, grace dictates that He gives to us anyway. Isn't that cool? Now, that's not me saying don't sing. You'll get it anyway. But that's me saying that when we do sing, he gives back in ways that we can't begin to understand. Oh, my heart for you this morning was that you and I would be reminded if we already do sing, or we would start if we haven't started to sing, uh, that singing, engaging this whole of us, uh, experiencing this opportunity to give but to receive, it's this thing that God wants us to do. Every time we get together in here, that's our aim, to worship him because that's our design, to receive from him because if it's done right, that's what happens. Now, I love this story about this song. It's about 20 years old. It's one of my favorite songs when I was a youth pastor to sing with our kids because of the story behind it. This guy named Matt Redman was a worship leader in a place called uh, Watford, England, uh, and uh, Watford, uh, their church there was this really blowing and going church. He was very popular, still is, uh, in the worship world. And uh, so lots of people would travel all over from England to come and, and listen to these songs be, uh, you know, played at this church. But after a while, it got kind of more about the presentation than uh, the exaltation. Are you with me? And uh, people uh, in the band or people in the church were feeling pretty good about the fact that they were the they were the bee's knees. They were the, the church du jour because of all these, these great songs. The pastor of that church uh, said, hey, this ain't right. This isn't it. We're not here just to sing the songs or be popular because of our songs. We're here to worship God. And so he made this really bold move. He unplugged everything, sound systems, light boards, uh, uh, he, he didn't allow any instruments. Some of you grew up in the Church of Christ, and you're like, that's no big deal. <laughs> but he just said, hey, we're getting rid of all the stuff. And, and, and this is not me preaching against the stuff, because I'm here, so I'm like, yeah, I don't like the stuff either. Stuff's fine. Instrumentation, you know, the, the, the extras in worship, that's, that's fine, as long as it doesn't crowd God out of the experience of worship. Are you with me? So they just took it all out, and they'd come to church, and they'd just sing Acapulco. <laughs> Acapella. You know. 
And they did it for a long time. One, one night, this guy, Matt, who was the, kind of the leader of the whole worship thing, went to his room, his bedroom, and he wrote this song. Uh, because in, in that experience of unplugging, he'd been led, led back to what was really important in worship. And so uh, uh, we're going to sing that song this morning. Some of you know it. Uh, some of you weren't even born then. I get that. Uh, but if you've heard it, I want you to help me sing it because uh, I am not a, a, a singer. I play guitar because I love it. Uh, but this is not my life's call. I'm going to make my joyful noise to the Lord. Right? But you can make it with me. And together, if we engage our hearts and our spirits and our minds and our voices, God will get from us what he created us to give, the worship that he's due. See, I'm not polished. Is it going to work? Oh, and I'll play it without this. We're going to have to sing soft. You ready? Here we go. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. you sleep much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back. Ready? Let's sing. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth. King of endless worth. No one could express how much you deserve. Do you believe that? Is that your heart? Though I'm weak and poor. That's true. All I have is yours. Every single breath. I'll bring you more. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. Sing. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. And it's all about you. All about you, Jesus.
See, worship can happen even if your guitar doesn't work. The worship can happen wherever you are. You, you, you can sing in your car, during your quiet time, at your life group. That might be a little harder on the ears maybe, but uh, I don't know. Some of you may have sung for the first time just then. I hope you tried. Because when God asks us to do something, he asks us uh, to do things for our benefit, not just his. His desire is for us to, to know him and to love him and to worship him with our whole selves. We're going to take the offering right now, and, and I'm, I hope it's not a huge distraction to you, but I'm going to keep preaching while we do that. You can clap if you want. It's fine. We can get excited about offering God uh, all of our lives, even our gifts. Uh, but can I, uh, can I kind of finish with just a, a few more ideas about worship? And, and this, this will be a little bit more cautionary. Because here, here it is. Basically, worship is a choice. You're going to choose in life, at any given moment, what you're going to worship. And you might think that there's lots of different categories, but there's really only two, all right? Now, you can either choose to worship God or worship not God. You could worship God or self or something else that is connected to this world. But those are the two things uh, that you can choose between. And when you do that, you're actually choosing to worship like uh, either our greatest enemy or our greatest hero. Uh, put it another way. It's like this. We must choose how we worship. We can choose to worship like Satan or we can choose to worship like Jesus. Because just so you know, uh, without going into a whole lot of detail, Satan was the worship leader of heaven. In the, uh, in the text that I'm going to read you in Isaiah and also in the text in Ezekiel 28, we find out that all the instruments uh, of, 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 of music were basically created in Satan. And that his job was to stand on the, on, on the high mount uh, in heaven and, and to lead the angels in the worship of their God. Uh, but Satan quickly got tired of that and he made the bottom line himself. It says in Isaiah 14. Uh, this is a, a text, by the way, that Isaiah is, uh, <clears throat> is basically um, uh, rendering God's judgment on uh, the, the king of Babylon. But you'll see over and over again in the prophets, if you read them, uh, that oftentimes when, when God judges a man, he is judging the spirit behind the man, the spirit who is leading uh, this man to be wicked or to be uh, uh, you know, worthy of judgment. And so that's what happens. Here is Isaiah is judging the king of Babylon. Uh, we see this kind of backstory uh, of, of Satan himself and him being judged as well. It says, how are you uh, fallen, how, how you are fallen from heaven, O day star, that's the word Lucifer, son of dawn, uh, how you are cut down to the ground, uh, you who laid the nations low. Uh, it gets real specific here. You said in your heart, uh, and there's five I wills, five I will statements, okay? And each one of these I will statements is going to have one direction, and it's going to be up. Ready? You said, and this is what Satan said when he fell from heaven. He says, I will ascend to heaven. I, uh, ascend is up. Uh, I will uh, be above the stars of God. And I will set my throne on where? Uh, I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. Uh, the mount being high. Uh, he goes on and he says in verse 14, uh, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like, and he could have used any of the names of God. There's, there's tons of names for, the, for, for God in the Bible, but he chose this one. I will make myself like, what? The most high. I'm getting on up. I'm gonna elevate myself 
above the one who I'm supposed to be elevating. Uh, it's been said uh, of mankind that we have this Adamic nature. We're, we're, we're made in the, uh, the likeness of Adam. And in our sin nature, that's who we, we trend towards. But uh, everybody understands that the first sin wasn't Adam's. That was the first human sin. The first sin was Satan's. And Satan's sin uh, is what he influenced Adam and Eve with. He said, hey, you don't have to be below God. You can be on par with him and even in some ways be above him. In fact, that's why God doesn't want you to eat the fruit. It's because he's trying to keep you low. Be like me. Soar above him. Put yourself over him. Uh, We all struggle with this. You could say you have an Adamic nature, uh, but you should also understand uh, that you have a satanic nature. Whenever you put yourself ahead of God and unjustly put yourself ahead of other people, that's the Satan in you coming out. Some of you are like, well, I don't think I struggle with that at all. How about this? Whenever you get a picture, a group picture that you're in, who's the first person you look for? Is it you? There's no such thing as a group picture when it gets in our hands, right? It's a me picture. And if I don't look good in the group picture, it's a bad picture. (laughs) That picture's terrible. Could be 50 people and everybody else is looking great, but if I don't look great, it's a terrible picture. And that, listen, that's just a little emblem, a little instance where we obsess on self. And it's so easy, even in a, in a church, to come in with a satanic worship attitude and say, it's all about me. I don't like that song. I don't like that style. I don't like, I don't like, me, me, me. We make, we make declarative statements. It's too loud, but really, we're leaving out the for me. Uh, if I had time, I'd, well, I'll just show you real quick. Satan goes on with this attitude. He, he confronts Jesus with it. Uh, he, he shows up at the, the temptation of Christ there. Three, three times he tempts him, but one of the ways he tempts him, he says, listen, uh, I'll give you all the authority over all this, verse uh, six here in Luke chapter four. Uh, for, uh, go back. Go back. Thank you. Uh, for it has been delivered to me, and I give to you uh, whom I will. If you then will what? what? What does Satan try to get Jesus to do? Worship him. Lift me up. In Revelation, I'm not going to read the verse, but in Revelation, that's exactly what happens. If you were here when we started the book of Revelation, uh, when this stuff ends, uh, we believe that uh, Satan and his uh, unholy trinity are going to be on the earth, and Satan is going to garner the worship of humanity, because that's always been his end goal, to be God, to be above God. Where does this worship of self lead us, and where did it lead Satan? Well, let's look in Isaiah 14, back where we just were, in the same text where we found out about all those ascendings and, and liftings. It says, but this is what God says through his prophet Isaiah uh, to the king of Babylon and to Satan himself. He says, but you are brought down. You want to go up? You're going down. You're brought down, and, and you're brought down to the far reaches of the pit. You keep reading in the Bible and eschatology, that, that's the ultimate end of Satan. It's the ultimate end, by the way, of anybody who, apart from the grace of God through Jesus Christ, continues in persisting uh, to worship themselves. If, if you want to lift yourself up, the ultimate end is you're going down, right? It's just how it works. We don't have to do that, though. We can be like our Savior. 
Jesus' bottom line, if I can go to that, is, is the Father. Satan's bottom line is himself. We're not trying to be like him. We're trying to be like Jesus. And you just look at Jesus. When he uh, talks, uh, he is always deferring to his Father. It says in John five nineteen. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. I'm not functioning out here on my own. He says, but I only do what I see the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, I do. He says uh, of himself in John 6, he says, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We see that in the garden when he says to his Father, hey, if this cup can pass from me, that'd be great, but not my will but yours be done. We see that even as he talks about the Holy Spirit. He says uh, in, later in John 14, he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he says the Holy Spirit's going to teach you stuff that I haven't even been able to teach you. Uh, it's, it's like the Trinity, which has existed eternally. Three, God, three and one. Uh, the Trinity exists to give praise and shine to each other. Like remember when Jesus was baptized? The Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus at his baptism. And what does the Father say? I hope he doesn't mess up. Is that what he said about his son? No, he says, this is my son with who I am what? I am, I am so stoked about this guy. I'm so stoked about what's going to happen here in humanity. You know, if you go to heaven, this is what's happening. The Holy Spirit is saying to the Father and the Son, you guys are great. But the Father's saying to the Spirit and the Son, no, you're great. And the Son's saying to the Father and the Spirit, no, you're great. And it's just this battle of, you're great, no, you're great, you're great, no, you're great, you're great, no, you're great. It's all that's happening for eternity. Even within God himself, there is a, a lowering so that the Father, the Spirit, the Son can be lifted up. Do you see that? And that's the heart and the mindset that I pray permeates us. We're going to finish singing. And like I said, the command of God is for us to sing. It engages every part of us. The band's going to come out now. I'm going to pray, uh, but then we're going to sing. And here's the deal. If you're always singing, great. If you haven't sung for a while for the right reasons or haven't understood why you were singing, I pray the day start. If you're here this morning and it's not been your practice to sing, in fact, you're kind of mad because you usually try to skip this, you're just done your coffee and your donut. Okay, here's, here's the deal. I tease, I joke, but this, this weekly gathering of the body of Christ is about us giving to God the glory that he's due and us receiving from him what only he can give. So now, will you stand with me? And we'll, can we pray that God will meet us in these next two songs and that we would give him our all as we worship him? Let's pray that together. Hey, Lord, thanks so much for a chance to worship you this morning, a chance to hear from you in your word. Uh, Lord, we want to usher in. Uh, if it's uh, been absent in any of us, we want to usher in this heart for worship, uh, this desire to make much of you. Uh, we don't want to be flippant or complacent or uh, selfish in our mindsets when we come here. We want to come ready to give to you and to receive from you through worship in the Word. So Lord, help us to, um, from here on out, have that heart, have that mentality. Uh, help us even in these next couple songs to set aside whatever we've been thinking about or whatever's been distracting us. Help us uh, to, to set those things aside and, and to make much of you because you alone are worthy of 
our praise. Be praised in this place today, God, I pray. Be lifted up in the hearts of men. We pray this in Jesus' name.